0: Buddy, I'm Vicki. I'm Lynn. I'm Bree. And we are telling on ourselves. Telling, telling, telling on ourselves. Telling, telling, telling on ourselves. Telling on ourselves? Telling on ourselves. Telling, 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 telling on ourselves. Yay. Lynn's being uh, Lynn's
1: Watching being you guys in your little...
2: Lynn's <laughs> shy, which nobody would ever believe so but it, it's true she was shy
0: Lynn is shy she's an introvert just kidding me and Chelsea are the introverts I, in the I'm, I'm being a little
1: yeah I'm being a little turtle today I don't know why it's okay it. you're allowed I'm feeling man. a little self-conscious
0: just ask for help yeah. and we'll be here for you I, I hate asking for help Vicky oh well then you are <laughs> in nice? the right show <laughs> You can be contrary to right. it. fits right in. Can I say sure a can go? Holler to uh, the new president elect and the fact that we have a MFN woman in the White House.
1: Yes. Not only just an MFN woman, but a minority. So yeah. it's like a double, double extra wonderful.
0: <clears throat> Thank you, America. Our
1: answer. Yeah, the prayers have been answered. Um, I'm very excited to see about the change um, and hopefully a lot of healing. Uh, I think the thing that broke my heart the most is just how divided our country has become. And, you know, I, uh, because maybe because I was a history major, I don't really know. I've always had like this very strong sense of civic pride and civic duty, and it's pretty much all gone away. It's eroded in the last four years. And that makes me really sad. And it kind of breaks my heart. And I want to get back to that. I want to be proud of where I'm from.
0: Well, we can do that if we are part of it. And, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I think that, this election has actually pulled me in to a healthier place with politics in terms of, so before I just used to shut it down and shut it out and just not pay attention to it. And I'll tell you, it was triggered by my lovely 17 year old who said, you're so uninformed mom. And after that, it was about the first, cause I wouldn't, I watched, I put on the, debate the first debate and I was like I can't watch kids argue that are supposed Mm -hmm. to be men leading our country and Maya's like you're just so uninformed you need to face it mom you know and when she said that it was like a healing thing because it was a challenge but it was also like you're right I need to I need to pony up and 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 step into my power of my like this is where I live if I'm going to complain about it I better get informed about it, so. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and we can't use the excuse anymore of uh, not having resources to do our own investigation and then make our own decisions based on information that we gather. That's It's too easy now, it's too easy to still be ignorant.
0: But Biden!
1: <laughs> Biden.
2: Come on, we got a woman in there. I saw a uh, a sign that said "By Don" and it just had his like hair, like Trump's hair or whatever. Get it? Because it's like "By yeah. Don," yeah, yeah, and I was like, ah, that one. Clever, very clever. Yeah. Cheers to having a woman in the fucking White House. Kitty,
0: uh, what up? Woo! That is um, about freaking time, and I think it's apropos because it's the hundred years, right? since women even got the right to vote. Oh my God, I didn't even put that together.
1: Yeah. That's the year.
0: Yeah. So
1: um, do we uh, want to talk about our $1 holobry? Do we have one this week? I don't think we have one.
2: Oh, we don't have one. We need one. So,
1: but we can promote it.
2: Please donate to our Patreon. We got a couple options. You could do a $1 holler, just donate a dollar. Um, we'll shout out your name on air. Um, or we have a three dollar swag, which means you get the one dollar hauler. Plus, we'll send you a little telling on ourselves swag um in the mail. And it's a surprise what it is. So you'll just have
0: to donate and find out. Well, I'm gonna boil the surprise, I'm gonna ruin the surprise because I wanna tell a story about it. Okay. So yeah. now we put uh, all those things on our mugs, like our Yeti mugs. We put stickers on them and man, I have put that in the dishwasher like 20 times and it is stuck like blue. Good. Yeah. So there are high quality stickers for everybody. High friggin' quality. So <laughs> it's spoiler, spoiler, sorry. I'll tell you it's a spoiler after I tell the spoil. I love it. Um,
1: Thank you, Bree, for letting uh, people know about how they can be part of this very special tribe of telling on ourselves. Uh, I think I can move on to First Thought Wrong if y'all want.
0: Well, please do.
1: Okie doke. So this past week in the um, northwest suburbs of Chicago and northern Illinois, we have experienced an amazing Indian summer. Made, mm-hmm. It's made our apart- I know it's been beautiful, like in the low seventies and especially because we know what's coming, you know, in the next few weeks with winter, r- literally just around the corner. So everybody's been out and feeling kind of jiggy and taking advantage of the weather. And I have to, and I had a bonus, of, like having election day off. So I got to go out and do some things. And, um, I have a friend that I've been doing some walks with, and we've really been challenging ourselves. And I, since I've moved here, I've heard about Star Rock. Everybody's like, it's beautiful. You got to go. It's a state park. Um, and it's, uh, like an hour and a half from here, kind of South. And of course, you know, I had to read about it. So it was all formed by glaciers that slipped down from the great lakes and they built these canyons and caverns. They kind of, uh, gnawed away at the wood and it, or at the stone and it's mostly sandstone. So it's pretty soft and it's really sandy, like around these certain areas. So I was all excited because I love that geological wonders, um, so that's what we decided to do. I knew it was going to be crowded and I'd heard rumors about how busy it was this summer because of pandemic and quarantine. People weren't doing their normal vacations. So to get outside and take the families, they've been doing that. So, okay, reel it back in. My experience with uh, state parks, hiking is Kentucky, Tennessee, and Alaska. None of those are very populated, right? So even if I would run in, and I understand like being crowded, like the parking lot's full, but it's a really big space. So once you get in there, you're not gonna see a lot of people, you might pass somebody. And I, t- I told the girls this morning, it was like being at an amusement park. I have never in my life seen so many people like they're single track trails and you're having to yield to people. People don't know trail etiquette. So they're not waiting. They're just, you know, stomping through in their little world, not paying attention to anybody else. People with dogs, people with kids, people playing music out on, out on the trail with like a little, you know, um, speaker. So. So many first thought wrongs. Um, judging, I was judging everybody. I was irritated. It was basically negating every reason I wanted to do this. And up until through the whole whole uh, hike, and we did a couple of offshoot trails, I was judging how the park marked their trails. I thought they were wrong. <laughs> they they weren't clear. It was annoying. It was frustrating because I couldn't follow it. And you know, I'm like the queen of being able to find trailheads and all the offshoots. So, I mean, every little thing, It's <laughs> I was ridiculous about it. And then coming back, and we left really early because we need to get there early. Um, so coming back out, heading towards parking lot, I I just can't even explain to you how many people there were. It was like passing somebody in movie theater lines or something. It was just a constant stream of people going in and going out. So then I'm judging about the park not keeping a handle on how many people are actually going in there for safety. I will say most people did wear masks, but it was still just like every little thing I was being really ugly about it. And it wasn't until the drive home and I had to spew a lot of my irritation and everything. And I realized it's that... Um, I was going to do something new. I'd never done before. I was experiencing something new in a place up here where it is much more densely populated than I had ever done before. And I needed to let go of previous expectations and try to just take it for what it is. Know that that's not a thing for me and that's okay. And stop judging. But you all, it was a, <laughs> it was a hard day. And we, we hiked over seven miles on my Fitbit. When you do elevation, It'll, it recognizes it as like a staircase. I had ninety-seven floors that I climbed yesterday. So we did lots of good climbing and I, you know, burned a lot of calories and all that, but um, was certainly not the peaceful get out in nature thing that I was expecting or hoping for.
0: Who knew you could have had a better experience at Bussy Woods? <laughs> <laughs> lesson, <laughs> lesson learned in the Chicago land area. So Schomburg is like a, a smaller offshoot of chicago it's not it's not a downtown but it's definitely very populated and bussy woods is like very large in the middle of this like populated area and it's beautiful and yeah yeah (laughs) Um, he goes there and tries not to get murdered Yeah, and and
1: Chelsea—they both do. It scares me to death when they tell me their stories. (laughs)
0: Chelsea wears these
2: cute little ice skating skirts, though, so she's gonna get murdered before I do because she (laughs) looks too adorable. I try (laughs) to—I try to look as gross as possible when I go. So, I don't want people to murder me. I'm not gonna wear a cute little skirt. Um, But okay, a couple thoughts on that, Lynn. (laughs) Share. Did you complain to your friend the entire time? No. No, good for you. That is so freaking hard to do. Expect okay. The reason why I asked this is because I've been I'm obsessed with this show. It's called Ninety Day Fiance, and they have this spinoff called Ninety Day Fiance the Other Way. Basically, where Americans go to other countries to live with like the people that they fell in love with because for some reason or another that person can't come to the United States. So like the American is going to live in their country, and man, Americans when they go to like third world or second world, you know, something that's not the United States, they're very vocal about, how disappointed they are, how gross, you know, something is. They're just and I'm like embarrassed for them because they're just complaining, 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 complaining. And it's like you're hurting their feelings. Like that you can tell that they're, you know, like this one girl's in Ethiopia and this Ethiopian man loves her, but she's just complaining so much. And you can tell he's taking it like I'm a failure, like this is not good enough for you, but this is like my country, like I don't have more to offer you. Um, so anyways, this just reminded me. Uh, sorry to go on a big tangent there, but it's, um, I'm just glad to hear that you had a little bit more awareness and self-awareness to not, you know, you can have your thoughts and then like vent a little bit, but not like constantly be like, oh, well, because I'm sure um, your friend was pretty excited to maybe bring you here because it is something like big for Illinois, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So she might have been really excited. And then to see you be like super disappointed, it might have, you know. So
0: well, I, for two things I have. First thing is I'm glad I wasn't there because I would have felt the irritation. Oh, a codependence nightmare for it. sure. I would have been codependent as shit. I would have been like, do you want to leave? Do you want to leave? Like I would have made it way worse. Um, I would have been laughing or, or, or coddling you. Um, but the second thing is, is I was that person. I lived in Puerto Rico for nine months and we have no idea the infrastructure that we have in place in this country and how amazing it really is. And I'm talking about cleaning our streets. I'm talking about fixing our curbs i'm Plumbing. talking about like everything But and you know when i was in puerto rico i was i was pretty drinking i was a party girl and remember blonde party girl and you would i mean it was a little bit extreme there like you know how when we grew up it was the big don't litter don't litter don't litter you get fines don't litter well in puerto rico there is that that education hasn't been rolled out when I was there. I think it's since changed. I remember driving down, you know, one of these beautiful roads. And, and so, so just picture it, you're driving down a road past an ocean and you have a car in front of you and they take their whole Burger King bag and just throw it out the window, you know? And I mean, and it was like, it it was everywhere. So I was, I was horrified. I'm like, Oh my God, don't any of these kids know that you're not supposed to litter, you know? But I think I was that girl, but the good news is, is I really only did it to my ex-husband. I don't think I did it with other, with locals. I, but I did it to Mike and, and Mike agreed he's from the States too. So, but then the other thing that was like really weird is we lived on a, we lived on a bottom floor, of an apartment complex right in the marina of this beautiful, like right off the ocean. And I remember one day I walk out onto the patio and instead of like walking down the, the hall about, you know, I don't know, 50 yards, they threw their um, bag of trash on our <laughs> patio and it had dirty diapers and it had all kinds of stuff, you know, and I'm sure it was just people partying, like, Who knows? It's just a different mentality. It is a different mentality. When you've been raised a certain way and you've had all this infrastructure, they don't have that infrastructure like we did or they didn't at the time. So that was the option. There's no trash cans around. I'm going to throw it out the window. Right. And, and, but I was beside myself and I would, oh my God, I do remember. So I worked in this t-shirt shop. So uh, I worked in a t-shirt shop and sold like flip-flops, Teva's like high end, Uh, hotel we were in high-end all kinds of really cool like wraps and jewelry and sunglasses and all that stuff Maui gyms and um there was a couple of locals but mostly Americans that worked there and um (laughs) the one girl I remember talking to her and I'm like can I just ask you a question I was so basic and annoying and oh my god um why does everybody litter so much? Don't you guys realize that it's wrong? And she's like, she just didn't You don't see it, right? When you're when you're just used to that, you don't see it. And and she was like, well, I guess I know what you mean and and all that stuff, but I will say there was a gal from the states that lived down there with us. Her name was Katie, and she does this um Oh gosh, I want to find out what the name of her company is because she does this thing. Cause there's also a lot of stray dogs and stray cats, but mostly dogs that are everywhere on the Island. And I think that's pretty common in, in that environment. Um, but she actually did something about it and she started this, um, she would send dogs to the States for people. And, and she was from America. She, she married her is with, Her partner is from Puerto Rico, but she does Island Dog. Island Dog is what her nonprofit is. And she sends dogs to the States to help with that part of the problem because that was also something that was really scary. Um, you would just see these poor stray dogs with their big old nipples hanging out and like just having more. And it was just so sad. And I think the worst thing that happened and and it's another thing about the infrastructure we have and what we need to be grateful for was there was a dead cow on the side of the road for like a month. And that's really scary because that's where diseases can, you know especially in that hot hot environment. So what I will tell you is we need to be grateful even though this politics stuff is annoying, we really need to get right with ourselves and be grateful for what we have because all that all that yuck it was also surrounded by a whole lot of love. One thing about the Puerto Rican people are they are so family oriented and so loving and so accepting and so welcoming. So You know there's things that come with it but talk about a sense of community that was very very different than it is here and the sense of like cool everything's gonna be all right you chill you know there's no there's you know nothing's on fire here you know that's kind of how the mentality was and was a great experience for a 27 year old drunk girl to get you know right size when i went there but you telling me that story i'm like oh shit i was that person (laughs)
1: Fuck. <laughs> I Just will mess him.
0: up. I did have
1: to boss one group of people too. Cause I just couldn't stand it anymore. I'm talking about trail etiquette and it's, you know, you yield. If somebody comes up to something first, you yield to them. So there was this little bridge walkway and it was a couple and they had a dog and the dogs were probably the best behaved of everyone that I encountered, by the way, <laughs> these are like serious, good trail dogs. So they were wait they had waited for somebody and they're about to go. And this man <clears throat> who's probably about my age and he had like some teenage and preteen kids with him, tweens. And he's just, like, talking, and he knows everything, and he's just heading onto that bridge. And I said, excuse me, we're yielding to those people. And he went, oh, like, <laughs> that was how everybody was. It's like, this is my world, and I don't care about tromping on everybody else. And then I looked at my friend, and I said, I couldn't help it. I had to boss that time. I had to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Lynn, I'm so proud of you that you did that. I love that. Just a, just a little. Just a, Excuse me. Yeah. Sir. yeah. The line yeah. Starts there.
0: No. Well, it's like. um, Go ahead. I was just gonna say, think about it though. These people, if they're if they're from Chicago or the suburbs, and they don't get to go on a lot of hikes, like their roads are suburban, so it's kind of the same thing, right? They're there and they are clueless to etiquette. There isn't, you know, they don't know that you should read the sign before you walk up. Yeah. (laughs) So,
1: lesson the le- big lesson I learned is so I'll do a lot more research before I go exploring some parks. Um, I'm not in. This is the thing. I wasn't wasn't like I was trying to find things that I already knew, like the big hills and the canyons and the waterfalls. You know, I'm all I'm all about being open to a new terrain, the plains, all the things up here. It's just I need it to be a little less um, popular. So. Anybody in the Chicagoland area or Southern Wisconsin, Southern Michigan that has some trails that are kind of hidden gems that no one knows about, please share with me because I'm a good cold weather hiker too. I'll go out in cool weather. I do that before buggy weather any day. So um, if anybody has any suggestions for me to get out on the trail,
3: holla. I have a suggestion, Lynn, but I'll share it in the chat so that people (laughs) don't find out about it. (laughs)
1: That's right. We need to keep this on the DL, (laughs) y'all. the secret paths email <laughs> are we ready to move on to the topic today or are we done <laughs> i'm kidding that was just a joke <clears throat> we're ready okay uh we're asking for help i think is what we're going to do today right ask yeah. for a lean on it's a lean on me song and um, i have a definition um It's a two-parter, of course, asking for and then help. Trying to obtain by requesting is to ask for. And then the help is to make it easier for someone to do something by offering one services or resources. So you're trying to obtain by requesting. And then um, help is offering services or resources. And how hard is that some days to do?
2: I was just going to say, why would we ever want life to be easier by asking for help? Oh, the thought. You mean it could be easier
0: than what we make it? (laughs) The horror. Or we don't have to be alone all the time and like carrying all our groceries and no thanks, I don't need help. You know, have you ever been in that situation where someone tries to help you and you're like, no, I got it.
1: (laughs) Okay. So um, I'll share a quick story with you about asking for help and why I kind of got, um, Scarred by doing so. When I I had just gotten out of school, I quit, I didn't graduate, and I got a job at a performing arts center. I was assistant tech director at a performing arts center, and the director was a woman, and she was just a few years older than me, and we were talking about it was a very much male-dominated profession um, in and working this type of lighting and sound and stuff. And we were doing something some one day like hanging truss or something. And I said, can't we wait for the guys to get here to do this? And she said, listen, if you ever want to have respect in this field, you have to learn how to do things on your own. You do not ask for help. And that carried over to culinary world where um, I was a minority because I, you know, I started out in the 90s when there weren't many women in the kitchen. And the men would basically not just harass, but th- it was like hazing. You know, if you're tough enough to put up with their hazing, then you might be successful in this world. So I learned from those two experiences that it was just a sign of weakness and I wasn't going to get ahead if I ever asked for help. And it stuck with me, man. It was tough.
0: I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I would be the uh, bartender that was like, no, I can change the keg. Duh. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: It's a great question. I've never really thought about it. I'm like, I, I've never tried to pinpoint the origin of my ability to ask for help or inability to ask for help. Um, I know it's uncomfortable. I feel like sometimes it's more uncomfortable today than it was in the beginning. Because in the beginning, I was like so new that I was like, somebody help me. Somebody drive me to meetings. Somebody
0: come with me yeah. to a meeting. Right. That was a survival thing for you, right? Yeah.
2: I feel like it's a lot harder to ask for help now. And you guys know this because this going back to when I relapsed, it was like, I thought I should be stronger. I thought I should like know more and um, use more of my tools and by myself, like, you know, asking for help. I don't, It was, it was harder for me. Like the more you went along and the more service work I did and the more I was in the middle of AA, the more I felt like I couldn't ask for help. But the whole point is to be in the middle so that you have a whole support system to help you. How ass backwards thinking was
0: that, you know? I think it's a very common thing though, because what I've been discovering as I go to these speaker meetings every night is that a lot of people and that have long-term recovery go through a phase. I think, I think it's a part of the journey, right? I think I really do because they go, it seems like inevitably they go through this phase of, uh, they get to this point and they think they're, they're too sober to have problems in recovery, right? And they're embarrassed and they're ashamed. And here's the thing that I've learned because I've kind of stumbled along that path a lot myself, is that that's the whole reason why we continue to do this stuff on a daily basis, is because our disease is progressing in us, not just physically, not just the alcohol part, but it's also this mental obsession is still progressing even when we're sober. So the part in the big book where it says we have a daily reprieve based on our spiritual maintenance, right? So what that means is if we're not in it and asking higher power for help, each other for help, if we're not doing the, the, the program really in our lives, if we're not living it, our disease is still progressing, that's why we still go. If if it didn't progress anymore and we r- arrested our drinking, I don't know that we would need to keep going to meetings, right? Other than sharing the message. But I mean, that's a great example of why we need to continue to do this work. Why it's not a one and done thing. Why it's a lifetime journey. And I think a lot of people that I've heard have gone through, you know, at 10 years, at 20 years, at five years, whatever, whatever the amount of time is, I've heard so many people that have been so broken in Alcoholics Anonymous. And the thing that I hear a lot is that it's kind of the same thing you said, Bree, when, when we were talking right after it happened to you, is that they, they wanted to die. They didn't want to drink but they literally wanted to die and they didn't know what to do. And they were so scared and more alone. It kind of reminds me of my marriage because I was with somebody living with them, but I was more lonely than I could ever even imagine. And it's being lonely in a group of people that actually love you, but not loving yourself enough to ask for that help. I feel like there's so, there's so much to this. It's just mind blowing so true. I
2: think people forget that and take it cause it's something, it's something I heard so much in the beginning was it's a progressive disease. And it was like one of those big aha, like pink signs that Lynn has. It was always, you know, I'd hear it all the time, progressive illness, progress. So even though I wasn't, um, and, and I clung to that when I came in because drinking was still pretty fun for me. Like I didn't, I wasn't having like a severe, like emotional bottom where I was like drinking every day and like wanted to die every day. Like it wasn't severe like this. So I had to remember that that was a yet for me still. Um, like I had a lot of legal consequences, but the yet for me was like getting to a point where you know you're in complete and utter emotional despair and that's like the progressiveness and then as time went on you kind of forget that and if that's the case if it continues to progress then you almost need to do like more for your sobriety as time goes on not less you know you're it's like you're trying to treat a disease with like this, like, I don't know, a good analogy. I, I had it and then it went
3: away. <laughs> well, a good analogy for that. It's kind of, to me, it's kind of like um, an Olympic trainer or someone who, you know, is, is, as they step up their game and they need to do more, you actually have to do more, you know, more exercises okay. to actually, you know, get that, get that. Uh, heavier load. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be able to progress and take it to another level.
0: That's a good analogy
3: though. Thanks, Bree.
0: And it's kind of like what your sponsor says all the time three more meetings, not less, more More meetings, not less, you know, and she has how many years over 30. So it's, 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 I think, um, you know, there's a line, there's a thing that they say a lot in the rooms that you'll hear. And it's the, the further away I am from my last drink, the closer I am to my next drink. And that's a, that, that has always stuck in here in my head, in my heart. And I don't want another drink. Because I really do know what my, what my consequences are based on what I based on how bad it got for me, right? I know that is not going to be pretty on any level, and I probably won't be here if for very long if I do decide.
1: That's um, that, Vicky. That's what I always think of too. <clears throat> when they say the farther away you are from your last strength, the closer to the next. And when both of you guys were talking about, um, you know when you start to feel removed or you're feeling overly confident for me, my check-in is always humility. You know, am I, am I really thinking, and that's, you know, using my higher power, remembering that I didn't do this on my own and I can't continue to do it on my own without help from something bigger than myself. And my higher power does change. Um, sometimes it really is just the group, the people that I'm associated with, my my guiding universal spirit, that inner voice when I'm in tune and trusting, you know, I can lean on that and I remember to lean on that. It's when I'm feeling like I can handle it or I can figure out the problems. That's always my big red flag for me to know that I need to check myself before I wreck myself.
0: <laughs> wreck it.
2: I love that piece and that awareness about the humility part of it, Lynn.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and the so. in the humility and asking for help. And maybe this is a time for like a, a discussion on humility, right? Because I think a lot of people that aren't, that haven't been through the steps, probably don't have a, a good um, thought process on what that word actually means and, and how it means in the context of Alcoholics Anonymous,
1: It's, it's a big one. And, you know, um, one of our steps is we humbly ask for help. You know, we humbly ask. And when, when I humbly ask for something, that means that I'm taking myself out of just what I need. You know, it's taking away what what I feel like would benefit me. I'm not asking for what I want. I'm asking for what is best for me. So I guess that's kind of how hmm. I'm thinking of discerning.
0: And the whole idea of um, of letting go of the ego that, because for me, what keeps me from helping other people is that ego and pride. Like you were talking about in the restaurant, right? Which I can relate to. Like, no, I'm not gonna. I can do this too. You're not better than me, you know. Whatever. And um, uh, that ego that comes with that, and and how there's a there's there's a balance, right? So being that way is good. Being self-sufficient is good. But when it comes to when we're so broken by this disease, I had to let go of that ego because, you know, just walking in these rooms, everybody knows that you're broken, right? I can't pretend my way out of being broken. When I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, it's because it's not because I'm having a good day. It's not because I'm having a good fucking day. It's not because I'm doing good with my life. It's usually pretty bad.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think I'm just having my light bulb, my neon sign. The reason they keep reminding us, the farther away you are from that last drink, that's because your life you do get your shit together. Your life does get better. I mean, I I I keep telling you guys, my God, four years ago, what my life was like compared to how it is now. I have a little over three years sobriety, and it took me that gap year between three and four, you know, to get my shit together, and. It does, you do remove yourself from that desperation. You remove yourself from that pain. It all gets kind of um, softened, if you will. And by continuing with meetings and continuing working and handing out our hand to people that need it and newcomers, that's the best reminder for me of that pain, that awful desolate desolation and fear and um, ugh. You
2: just, Lynn, something in what you just said just triggered me to think about like, okay, why is what's like one of my roadblocks to asking for help? And I think it's because sometimes people will tell me what to do or what I need to do. And then I I don't want to do it. Or I'm too lazy to do it or whatever the reason might be. So then it's like, okay, but if I ask for help and somebody gives me a suggestion, then I'm going to actually have to change, you know, or like take some action that's going to help me alleviate this pain or get through this situation. Um, and sometimes I just want to be a suffering martyr or want to be a, (laughs) um, I'm not ready to take the action yet. Or, um, not ready to hear the truth. I mean, I'm just trying to think for me specifically why it is sometimes that I don't ask for help. Sometimes I just want to vent. Sometimes I just want to be able to bitch about something and have somebody be like, yeah, that's shitty, but it will, you know, this too shall pass. Like you'll get through it, blah, blah. And then it's like, okay, you didn't actually have give me any, you were just, you were helping me just by listening to me, not, you know, giving me a whole list of things that I should do to make it better. Yeah. Um, I have to remember that too. Cause I can always call somebody and be like, Hey, I just need an ear. Like that's fair game. Like, I don't need to, I need to drop the expectation that people are trying to fix my life for me. It's like, I don't think anybody wants that pressure anyways. <laughs> um, you know, so just, we have this awesome yep.
0: program. I do that all the time, Bree. I say, I'm just calling to vent. I don't need advice right now. I need to talk through it because I'm a verbal processor. Right. So, and that's the other thing venting is sometimes good because you can talk yourself into realizing what the problem or the solution might be, right? If you don't have that space and someone just comes right in and tells you what to do, you really might not learn that lesson. You're just going to kind of just kind of blindly. So, so, so there is some, there is some ownership that we have to take when we're also asking for help and I think you hit the nail on the head like I don't want to do the work I know what's coming when we've been in the rooms for long enough we know what's coming so that's a dodging technique that's like nope mm -mm, I don't want help today it's kind of like when I was smoking you know when if I ever said that I wanted to quit smoking in front of certain people I was screwed if I changed my mind right in my head so it's just so much freaking ego 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 for me
1: I would totally agree. Definitely ego, and um, the other thing I always think about with <laughs> when, when you guys were talking about that, I just need events. Sometimes when I'm with a male partner, men want to fix things. So you, I felt I learned that you have to preface it was I don't want a solution. I just need you to listen to me. And, you know, those are lessons that I keep learning from Vicki, where you say in the up front, hey, um, I don't need anybody to fix this. I just need to vent to get it out of my brain and then I can start processing it. Um, and I, I have to keep working on remembering to do that because uh, I think, Bree, you said let go of expectations and everybody wants to fix me. And that's our ego. But if I can say in the beginning, I don't, I'm not expecting a solution. I don't really want you to tell me what you think I should do. I just need to talk it out, please. And that helps with that. Um, that's, that's, a, I guess, a form of asking for help, isn't it?
0: Right. Asking for what you need. But uh-huh. I do think that not to get too far on this topic, I think it's important to ask for help in the beginning because we simply don't know how to process it. Like when we're first first coming around, we have to kind of do that thing, Brie, where we're blindly like doing what having faith that okay I'm just gonna try this. But I think the flip side of that, what I keep thinking about when I hear you guys talking is that the you need to ask for help because we need to give you help to stay sober too. And you're going to need to give somebody help eventually too. Like there is a, there is a, like, there is something to that.
2: It's reciprocal. It's, it's, that's how it works. That's why the program
1: works. It's a
0: little quid pro quo. (laughs) (laughs) I give you give. (laughs) Well, and it just blows me away what that guy, Bill Cleveland said. And I don't talk about it till I'm blue in the face because it just, it, it really kind of tied everything together for me this year. And it's, you got to give it away to get it, not to keep it, to get it. Yeah. You know, part of the keeping of recovery and the magic of recovering is giving it away. So... You just gave me goosebumps again, Vicky. It wasn't for me. Bill
3: Cleveland did. <laughs> Thank you, Bill C. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting hearing you guys because I, I know that I'm the newest one of this group in the program um, about 15 months, 15, 16 months. And uh, just hearing you talk about, um, you know, a few good things. The one, you know, get, the further you get away from the first drink is is the closer you get to the next drink. For me, I think a lot of us, especially, you know, I know for myself, I can only speak for myself, but having the gift of desperation when I came into the the program, and as you get further along, you have the gift of perspective, at least at some point in time, but I think it is the pain and asking for help and going through that actual process that gets you to that point of perspective. And you only hold it for a little while, and then you have to keep going through, you know, we never, never get to that point where you had this perspective. And it keeps everything where it needs to be. I think that's the illness, that's the disease, right? Is we can never actually keep things in perspective because we our ego is constantly, you know, kind of changing the story, changing the narrative and kind of messing with things. You know, it's like a like your your, your, your screen on your computer that's constantly things are like out of size and the font's not right and everything's really jacked up. And for me, that's that's the steps, right? Getting desperate. Going through this, trying to find some perspective, you know, working with others, talking to my sponsor, helping others, and then thinking I have perspective, and then just getting thrown off of that, and realizing I'm back at a point where I need to ask for help because I'm desperate. Because I'm always going to be in that. So it's that going up and down the ladder if that makes any sense.
0: Well, here's what I have. And there was a I'm taking this business thing right now, this business challenge, and I heard somebody say something yesterday that totally reminded me of. This specific thing, new levels, new devils. So, as you change, new problems come about. You know, so we just that's why we have to keep coming back. I don't know. Are you guys, do you guys have anything else? Should we dive into golden nuggets?
1: I'm ready for a nugget or two. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Nugget or two. <laughs> I like it. I like nuggets. (laughs) Well, Vicki, you just said at new levels, new devils. And absolutely. I think Chelsea, the way you kind of quantified that, um, we're never going to keep the same perspective because it's always going to change. And our ego is like so good at tricking us into going, well, look, you can handle this and you handle that. And, and my ego anyway, will say, are you sure that you couldn't handle a drink again? Are you really sure? Look at how much you've done. Look at how good you are now. So I've got to stay on my game. It's like, you know, you got to keep working and working and plugging away because the ego is always going to try to, my ego is always going to try to trick me. So um, that's a fantastic reminder. Thank you.
2: My golden nugget was Lynn's um, pointing out that humility. You know, I got here with others' help, um, or I got to the point where I am now in my sobriety with others' help, and I need to continue to ask for it and utilize the help that's available. Um, just from my own personal experience, that's a big golden nugget for me. Not to be too prideful or to think that I'm, you know, ever above needing help or I should be somewhere you know be further along like there's no end there's no end to this journey really you know you don't graduate so yeah that keeps me that's a good reality check for me
0: i think the 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 realization of just the whole conversation that um i need to ask for help when i need it because people need to give the help you know yes. i think i think knowing that makes it a little easier like who am i to take away that that opportunity for them to be of service, you
3: know,
0: people. Need,
3: embarrassed. You needed. Yeah. I loved Vicki when you, you know, just the, the reminder that recovery is a lifetime journey and that you can be surrounded. You can even be surrounded by people that love you and feel totally alone because of what's going on inside. It doesn't even need to just be in a, a group of strangers. You can be you can be really lonely with people that love you too.
1: Mm-hmm. So don't don't forget, guys. Ask. You know the help is only an ask away, and we all need it. We're not we're not special. We're human.
0: Nope. Yep. And we're here to help. So if any of you people are feeling like scared and shitty and don't know what to do, and with the holidays coming up, and nobody knows what the hell they can do for the holidays can't go to mom and dad's because grandma's there you know whatever it looks like for you you know there is support here and you know we can be we can help in whatever way we can even if it's just a virtual hug you know because this is not easy and whether you're an alcoholic or you're not an alcoholic none of what we're all going through is easy so um t-o-o is there for you we got you
1: Tribe out. Tribe out. Thank you so much for listening to Telling on Ourselves. You can please rate, review, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or any of your podcast platforms. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook or Instagram at Telling on Ourselves.